Richard Murray from afar for quite a while. And I was like, what is my problem? I need to meet him directly. So I'm so glad to have you on, Richard. Catherine, thank you. I'm honored to be here. I've uh, seen your post for a very long time on Facebook, and I I likewise uh, have been following you from afar. (laughs) So yay, we did it. This is so much fun. But uh, so now, uh, Richard, you've been an attorney for how many years? Oh, I've been an attorney since 1986. Oh, wow. And um, I've been practicing in Georgia basically all that time. I took off a couple of years in the early 90s after I came to the Lord in in 88. Mm -hmm. And and then uh, I did take off a couple of years to go to seminary. And then I came back to my practice uh, in the 90s, in the early 90s. So, uh, but been here in Georgia, basically North Georgia, right south of Chattanooga, over the Georgia line uh, ever since. Beautiful, beautiful. And we were talking a little bit earlier that we, we, both of us awoke to Christ in us sort of later on in our uh, later 20s. And, uh, and that's kind of an interesting uh, journey. But uh, you were telling me that in your journey, uh, you had didn't really grow uh, grow up in that circle, but you know when you started uh, your your practice and and that sort of thing, you actually started encountering the Lord. So tell us a little bit about your journey. Well, when um, I was in a in a rough place, uh, just having a lot of a um, lot of angst, uh, existential angst, they call it. Uh, and and just in languishing and suffering and um i came to the lord in, in as i said in 1988 i was 28 at the time and in the wake of it i, I didn't grow up in church I, I wasn't programmed by any you know sort of ritualistic institution so i was which i praise god for actually because <laughs> I, I didn't have any blinders on me about anything i just wanted to learn if it was about the lord i wanted to know it Right. And uh, the Lord magnetized a group of people, as I was telling you to me, uh, two of whom were lawyers. Uh, some others were in different occupations, but they just magnetized to me. They and it took me took me under each of their wings uh, and led. And they were all mature believers. And they led me into the fairly quickly into the deeper things, you know, the spirit. And, and by deeper, I mean intimate with the Lord, you know, feeling the enemies, the intimacies of God, the experiential intimacies of God and uh, making it a uh, interactive type of religion instead of now, I'm not saying I didn't go to church. I did go to church, but uh, I wasn't getting any life there. And um, I'll never forget. I was um, when I, I started attending a Baptist church for the first few months and I'm so excited. I was a baby Christian, but I was jumping up and down. You know, I didn't I want to talk about Jesus, but I didn't even know what to say. Right. <laughs> um, but, you know, as those first four months, uh, I, I started having this thought that, you know, that's the same sermon I heard a couple of months ago. And uh, I had this idea and I, I I saw myself like 20 years older listening to the same sermons in, in that wow. few 20 years from then. And they, they were dear, sweet people that were in that church, mm-hmm. but they didn't, they didn't really have any, uh, uh, they were very ordered, very, a lot of protocol, very little uh, acknowledgement of the Holy spirit right. and welcoming of the Holy spirit. Right. Uh, so, um, but anyhow, so I, I moved out of there uh, and that's right before I went to seminary that, that I told you about. Yeah. And uh, that was, I went to a charismatic seminary and I went there thinking that, you know, the classes, we're just going to get in there and worship God in these classes, and it's going to be great, and we're going to have spiritual fellowship and all that in these classes. Well, I went there, and that was, uh, you know, that was not the case. <laughs> and they were they were dear and sweet, too. But, I mean, it was, I was very disillusioned at that point. But the Lord continually kept me around people who were, who were organic uh, in, in the spirit. And I just, I could just feel God on them, and I could feel God through them. And, and they, um, uh, so then when I came back, when I came back uh, to my practice, that's when I really settled in 
with with the people um, who who got it sort of caused to surround me and be be my dis, uh, be um, um, be be my my um, well I'm that that they they uh, they discipled me. I don't even know what to call them. They wouldn't want Discipler, to be called anything. So I'm hesitant to do it. <laughs> yes. Uh, and uh, I had a spiritual mom and a spiritual dad that sort of came into my life and and led me in, into into things and always not, not that they had everything right, but right. just this beautiful body of people kept me open, kept my heart open. And then um, I went to the Toronto revival in 1992. Sweet. And when I was at the revival, um, it was, um, I had the most incredible experience of my life and it was, and the and the the thing about the Toronto revival is that uh, they were nameless. You know, people would just come and pray for you. You didn't know who they were. You didn't know their names. And of course, John Arnott and his wife were the the leaders of the revival. But they stayed out of the way. Uh, the I, the best thing I could say about this this revival was that they stayed out, they stayed out of the way. That is, I mean, that is that is very mature leadership. Let 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 you're training others to do the works of the ministry. So that's beautiful. Yes. And, and really the, my foundational vision for my life came when these people, when they prayed for me, hmm. uh, these nameless people, and I swooned on the carpet and then I, I, I had a vision. Uh, hmm. it was a heart vision. It wasn't, you know, but it was so meaningful to me. Wow. And, um, to tell you, you know, just briefly about it. I, uh, when I was young, I was extremely overweight and I was a, a, huge. I mean, I was tall and overweight right. and, I was made fun of a lot and uh, I, they wouldn't let me play sports because I was too big. I was, I weighed too much to even play football. <laughs> Try to imagine that. Wow. And, um, yeah. and, and, um, you know, I had nightmares, you know, I had nightmares about, uh, the kids running around making fun of me, calling me Frankenstein and that sort of thing. And it just, uh, you know, I, I was really, uh, and I did not have a good elementary right. school experience at all, but, in between seventh and eighth grade, back in those days, the, you know, high school started in the eighth grade. We, we didn't have middle school. That's so, uh, but I, but I slimmed down mm -hmm. and overnight, basically, but I, I, you know, I guess the testosterone was kicking in or whatever. And I became an athlete immediately in the wow. eighth grade. And, and I, and I just, it was just overnight. And um, I had never really been part of any kind of team. And uh, I wrestled and wrestling was my sport. And I got to be very close to my wrestling coach. Mm -hmm. And he was the sweetest man. He made me feel like I was a man. It yeah. made me feel like I was valued. Those people, yeah. Yeah, and he took me to his home and had, you know, um, and and then just he injected me with some humor about everything, you know, learning to lose, you know, and keeping, keeping your chin up and that sort of thing. Well, my high school closed when I was uh, after I attended it two years, eighth and ninth grade, and then it closed and I, I lost contact with my wrestling coach. Mm -hmm. So I went on to a new high school that we were routed to and um, I was wrestling and I was in the finals. But this is the vision when I'm getting I, this is the vision that I'm going to tell you what it is in just a second. But so anyway, um, I was in the finals of this tournament and I was wrestling a, a guy named John Harms, H-A-R-M-S. And we always joked about staying out of harm's way. He was yeah, the strongest human being I've ever wrestled in my life. <laughs> um, and uh, but I was it was the biggest match of my life at that time. And I'm walking to the middle of the I'm walking to the middle of the mat. My my new coach, the coach that I'm with at the new high school is behind me in this corner. And as I shake hands with harms, I turn around and look in the third corner. And my coach has pulled up a chair that I haven't seen in two years. Wow. Okay. And uh, he just pulled out, he, he heard I was in the finals and came and he just moved his way in on, on the corner and watched me. And it was like, he was my hero. This man, his name was Bernie Scruggs. He, he was actually a quarterback for uh, Kentucky uh, many, many years ago. Uh, but uh, so anyway, when, I, when, when I'm getting prayed for on the carpet in Toronto, the Lord quickens this image to me and takes me back to that. And he showed me that, the Lord was my coach wow. and that he had watched me all those years of pain that I had growing up wow. that his, he was in that corner watching me mm -hmm. and training me and ministering to me in ways I didn't even recognize at the time. 
And I just wept, Catherine. I wept and I wept and I wept because I, I, I experienced the Lord's love for me through that emotional language through that image and that everything I believe about the Lord today can be traced back to the love that I felt on the carpet that time. Nice. And, um, it, it was just, it was supernatural. And, and the neat thing about it was after I, I soaked there for about, I don't, I don't even, can't even tell you 30 minutes, 45 minutes, something like that. Mm -hmm. And, and I tried to get up and I couldn't get up and the Lord showed me <laughs> just in my own, again, in my own heart, that he had put a half a playful half Nelson on me and was keeping me <laughs> pinned to the ground. And I heard in my spirit, yeah. oh, you thought you could get up, huh? <laughs> and see, and I'm just telling you, I, I've never seen this side of the Lord. I didn't know that the Lord would joke or that the Lord would play with us or that the Lord would would have, you know, this this, this, this incredible tenderness. Isn't that amazing? And um, so I, I've got to tell you that was a that was a transformative experience. And and from that 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 experience for me um, led me to something, you know, I know this is a fancy term for it, but I would just call it an organic um, ontology, yeah. you know, an organic being to where we are being in Christ and we're letting him love us and, and minister to us and, and uh, instruct us that the, the personality of Jesus was there. The divine nature of Jesus was in hugging me and embracing me. And that that's more than any theology can convey. You know, we we can use theological terms and we can talk about things and put descriptions on it. But it's not a, a, a thousand theological terms aren't as powerful as this, as one embrace from the Lord. And you share that, you, you know, you had a similar experience. But that that's where our theology should come from Absolutely. is experiential, experientially knowing him. Absolutely. And that's and so that's kind of how my whole spiritual walk was ignited was was there in toronto oh that's that is so gorgeous and i love it because it spoke the language the picture language of your heart that you could connect because all that pain as a little guy well a big guy but you know growing <laughs> yeah. up and just and how devastating it is i mean it could be just traumatic and devastating and just Oh, he's always been in your court. He's always been that. I mean, God champions his kids. He just loves his kids and how that heals your heart so that you can oh. move forward. That is so, someone needed to hear that story. So I thank you so much. And I love the tenderness of the story and the playfulness. You know, I think that's <laughs> no. one of the things that surprised, has surprised me so much. God is so relaxed and he's, fun and he's funny <laughs> exactly and i mean he loves face. jokes <laughs> you know it is amazing and so uh this is why this is why it's so freeing when you really get to know him and i i love your language because everything for me um uh rotates around this concept as god as the person of love and what does that look like and it looks like different things that we need at different times in our lives, but it always looks like something transformative. That is so amazing. I love that. So thank you for sharing that. And I, I quoted, I went to your website and I grabbed this quote off your website, which I just thought was so good. It would be a, a good launching point to, so you can sort of share more of your heart on this. Um, and it said, and it says, uh, A.W. Tozer rightly believed that we tend by a secret law of the soul to gravitate toward and grow to resemble our mental image of God. Thus, Tozier was convinced that when at what comes to your mind, when you think of God, is the most important thing about you. High thoughts of God bring us into pure worship and a sanctified walk, while low thoughts of God defile our hearts and corrupt our walk. The bottom line is that you become what you believe about God. So what high thought about God is your default that col colors every part of your life? So why don't you share? What is your default high thought of God? <laughs> um, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. That first John one, five verse is so important to me mm -hmm. because 
it it's you know the disciples each disciple might have explained the gospel a different way paul might have explained it this way they were all it all would have been jesus focused but they all had their accent on it sure. but john the johannine john's gospel mm -hmm. was in john 1 5 mm -hmm. and, and in that in that he says you know that that this is um yeah, this is what we've come to you with. This is our message to you. This is the gospel yeah. that God is light mm -hmm. and in him is no darkness. But then it ends up by saying at all. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so the concept of God is light is my default. It, it is, it is my default. That's where I go to. And, you know, I think that the beautiful thing about the divine nature being light and, you know, first Peter says that we become partakers of the divine nature. We can partake of that light nature. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I posted a meme yesterday. It was somebody else's meme, but I loved it. It said, you know, refusing to harden your heart um, um, is, is, is a prodigious, I forget exactly how it was phrased, but is a prodigious accomplishment, refusing to right. harden your heart. And I, and I think that when we have this view that God is light, we that that's that will protect our heart from hardening and when we lose our tenderness we really lose the tone the jesus tone i like to call it you know that everything but from jesus has a tone to it. it it's got a tone of authenticity and a tone of tenderness a tone of gentleness a tone of lightness of being you know his yoke is light and and you know when i say god is light i, I mean god is light like yes. you know obviously visual light but also lightness of being yeah. you know that that um that he wants us to have to to enjoy life and he wants us to to be happy and experience joy with him and to, and and that the joy is overflowing um and I, i'm not saying i walk in this all the time but i do believe it. it it is what i believe and whenever i open my eyes to see and open my heart to feel that joy is it, I, it's half a step away from me. I can I can feel it, and, and and the Lord will sit there, you know, with me when I'm in a bad place or in a sad place or lugubrious or whatever you want to call it. Right. And uh, he's not he's not going any place, you know. But uh, he's he's looking to cheer me up, and he's looking to lift. I mean, I heard him one time say, you know, cheer up, Tiger. <laughs> you know, and I've never been called Tiger in my life. Such a uh, But but that kind of. <laughs> Terms of endearment. Everything is a term of endearment with him. And uh, but um, and it just flies. They've you know, we get distracted by the cares of the world, you know, like the soils, you know, when he's talking about the soils and in Mark four, Matthew four and all that, you know, about the the, the thorns that come up and cover, you know, cup us and, and keep us from recognizing and realizing his love. Um, but so so that God is light and, and really. I think if if that if we let that be our default, then that starts becoming our template that we put over reality. Right. You know, we we put it over our circumstances, but we also put it over scripture. Mm -hmm. You know, if we experience the nature of God, then um, you know, the church, the church fathers and mothers were really big on this concept of following our conscience, of reading scripture using our conscience. Yes. You know, Origen said that the uh, the conscience is is the chamber of justice in us. Yeah, and um, inter yeah. interesting thing about the word conscience, it means to perceive together. Oh. Isn't that isn't that incredible? I mean, that's what the Greek word, the way that the Greeks that's use that, that word, that, that you perceive that. together. So it's the yeah, it's the voice. It's the children of God being led by the spirit of God. You know, it doesn't say the children of God are those who are led by the precepts of the Bible. Right. They said in Romans 8, 14, it says the children of God are those who are led. And the 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 verb there is continuous leading, yeah. ongoing leading, those who are led by the spirit of God. And again, it gets back to this organic experience that that, you know, would change would change the world. You know, what Paul would change. Paul was a pulsating presence. It was a presence that he encountered. It wasn't a bunch of pool rules yeah. that are better than other pool rules, right. you know. And um, so anyway, that's sort of uh, um, and knowing that I, you know, and the other thing, you know, I would say with it is, is that I don't have all the answers. I don't pretend to have all the answers, 
and and the answers that we do get a lot of times about evil and about the source of it and all this, right. a lot of times we don't, we get enough of an answer to hang a hope on. The Lord will always give us enough of an answer to hang a hope on, but oftentimes it'll be a very rough edged answer. Um, and, but we're not omniscient, so we don't know everything. And right. to really understand everything, you'd have to know everything. Right. You know, sure. and, and so anyway, but I can trust in the light and try to walk in the light as Jesus is in the light. And um, if I feel his light and his warmth, then then I know that I'm in a I'm in a good place and um, I'm being protected. I'm no longer trying to be my own protector, Thank you know, God. but I'm trying to just you know, let his light be a, obviously a light for my path, but also to cleanse me. You know, I know when people go out in the sun, you know, they feel so much better because they're in the sun. And I, 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 it's the same when we're in the sun, S-O-N, you know, yeah. it's energizing and, and vital and brings health, you know, brings health and health of mind and health of thought to us. That's so good. And, you know, then the issue as God is light, you know, in John 1, it talks about that the light came into the world, but the world didn't recognize. And so it's an issue of recognizing because God was always there, even when you were a little kid getting bullied and your heart was being broken and traumatized with that. And then he was with you while you were growing and developing. And then all the different things that led to the, the hard, hard, hard place, the angst place that you were like, OK, God, you know, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm ready or whatever, however that that looked for you. But he was always there and is awakening to the light that was that's always there. Um, and, and, and even in our daily, you know, walk is none of us like, you know, when I arrive, I'll come find you, but you know, none of us do this, uh, perfectly, but God as light is always present to enlighten and to help us see more and see the next thing that we need to know. And then we can rest in his goodness and that that's so, that's so beautiful. I, I love that. How, what would you recommend, you know, uh, because, you know, as an attorney, you see a lot of things and I, I'm not sure what area, you know, of law that you practice, but there's a lot of things that you see that are nitty gritty, um, you know, hard, hard edged things. How is, how is this concept of God is light and encountering his light and the joy of that, the healing of that, the peace of that, everything we need, um, how has that affected you in your practice with, you know, everyday people? Well, um, I'm a criminal defense attorney. So I, I deal, uh, uh, 85% of what I do is criminal defense. I did do some, uh, some, some domestic and custody cases. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you see people at their most desperate, you see people at their worst. Yeah. Um, I, I think, um, with, I have people, you know, some of them are entirely innocent. Some of them are partially guilty. Some of them are entirely guilty. OK, uh, but at the same time, one common factor I know and that the Lord helps me with is I it's good. It's been wonderful practice for me to not judge anybody. Nothing anybody tells me. I mean, I've heard I've heard things that would burn someone's ears off had they not grown accustomed to it. For me, it's it's let me see their their humanity and let me uh, and, and and they're in a desperate place. They stand accused and listen, you know, when the system is coming after you, it's got resources and it dehumanizes you. Prisons tend to dehumanize prisoners. Now, you know, there are individual people who are prison guards who are good people and who try to obviously bring Christ into it. Uh as much as they can. But, you know, the system, the institutional system um, is 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 just that it's an institution. It's not an organism. And uh, anything that's just institutional tends to dehumanize. And, and especially when we're talking about uh, when we're talking about, you know, confining people and taking their liberty away. Um, and, but I, I but I, and, and the same thing with jury trials. I mean, I, I've had juries let people off before who um, I'll never forget. I, I had one where um, my fellow was looking at a fourth conviction for drugs and he was just a kid. I mean, he was still in his twenties, but under Georgia law and that fourth conviction, he would have had to have gone to prison. Um, I think it was for 25 years um, because of it. He was a repeat offender and he was clearly guilty. 
but he wouldn't plead guilty. He had just had a child. He had come to the Lord and his church was all there during trial watching it. It was young, you know, it was an African-American church, but they're all, they were all wonderfully uh, united for, for him. And they came and they supported him. And uh, so I, I said, I don't have a chance to win this case because basically my, my guy in the, in this bad time in his life, you see him on the video coming up to a window with an undercover agent trying to buy drugs. And the guy nods over, my guy nods over to another guy and the guy comes over and, and leaves the drugs in there. I mean, he, he's a, he appears to be the one, he wasn't touching the drugs, but he was telling everything, you know, making everything happen and taking the money for it. Really incriminating. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, but they found him not guilty. So I'm weeping at the verdict and so is he. And, you know, I think that I've, well, I, you know, aren't I the good lawyer to get him out of that, you know, <laughs> until I get a letter the next week uh -huh. and the letter was mailed to me uh, from the foreperson. And it was a letter within a letter. One of the letter within the first letter was to me, but uh -huh. then the other letter was to my client uh, okay. and it was sealed. And I never read it because in my letter said, I wanted you to know that we all knew he was guilty and that our first vote was a, was 11 to 1 and I was the only one who won who who didn't feel good about it so we agreed to pray about it so we prayed about it and one by one everyone changed their mind and they it was an, it was just a, an incredible thing and that guy uh I don't know what they wrote him what they it shook me up you know it was like oh my gosh um <laughs> uh, and so, but they, I delivered the letter to him and I saw him uh, a few years back and uh, he hadn't been in any more trouble and uh, he never told me what was in the letter, but uh, you know, what an incredible act of mercy. Now that does that happen all the time? No, but it happens. It does happen. And when it happens, it is glorious. Um, I, you know, I, um, a couple of years back, I, I had one where uh, my, my fellow was driving and, um, he was driving a, a teenager. Uh, he was, I believe he was 18 or 19 at the time. And she was a year younger and he was in a wreck and went too fast. He was going too fast and went around a dangerous curve and they went off and the girl died. Yeah. Well, he was charged with vehicular homicide. He wasn't drunk or anything, but he was charged with vehicular homicide uh, for violating the rules of the road. And, and, um, and we were being that they wanted to send him to prison. The DA did, but I didn't want him to go to prison. Uh, so we pled to the judge and the judge, um, you know, this girl, but the girl's grandmother came to me, um, who raised her. It, she was the grandmother, but she raised her, but she came to me and she said, I don't want him to go to jail. She loved him. They were best friends. This is the last thing she would want. So again, I don't do a thing. I go in the courtroom and just call her. She walks up there and, and absolutely advocates and says, your honor, I demand that you not send this this boy to jail. My 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 granddaughter loved him, and no one feels worse about this than he does. Right. And I, I I am adopting him as my own child right now. He is replacing her. And the judge started crying. It, it was uh, you know she was she's a wonderful judge, but I mean she said and, and she was up there just son. You could see the Lord all over the courtroom, you know, and 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 she was saying. You know, I, when I when I first heard of this case, I was thinking, how many years to give you, you know, and but I've never seen anything like this. I've never and she said this in tears. I've never seen anything like this, Oh my! Goodness. you know, so uh, and these are situations, Catherine, where I just uh, all I, you know, you said earlier, you know, we talk about that you just don't recognize. Yeah. You know, it's it's just a question of recognition. And, and when and, and when you get an inkling that something is going on, we got to stay out of the way. You know, I could have gotten up there and tried to take over and, and, you know, bring it in for a landing and make all these arguments. But it was like the Holy Spirit was just telling me, shut up now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> shut up. Let's see what happens here. You're about to see something. Wow. And um, so those those are, you know, um, I, I would like to see more of them. But I do wonder sometimes on, mo on mornings when I'm overwrought and I have so many cases going on at one time yeah. and all that, how many things I might miss along those lines. Right. You know, it, and it's almost, uh, you know, I haven't quite gotten a, 
an overall grip on the thing, but I do know it's important for me to meditate before I go in any courtroom yeah, and try to get my senses, try to get, you know, stir, stir the, you know, use the swizzle stick, the, you know, the inner swizzle stick, stick and yeah. kind of get my senses honed to, to open instead of me trying to have my argument laid out and just be oblivious to what else is going on. But be, be willing to look at people's eyes, the, the judge's eyes or the DA's eyes. Be willing to let the thing breathe and let mercy come into it. Uh, I'm still learning. You know, I've done this for a long time, but I'm still learning. I can tell when I'm in court and people are praying for me, you know, and and, and I have great peace in court because I know, you know, um, um, you know, the certain people are praying for me who who tell me they pray for me. Um so, um, I mean, I'm sure it's no different. Uh, I know, you know, you got your history with being a doctor and all, but I mean, I know that, 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 I mean, I can't imagine how hard that would be, you know, to, to have to worry about diagnosing stuff and, and, and still, you know, um, be able to hear the spirit and, and be aware of that. So, um, and so anyhow, I mean, I've got, uh, mm-hmm. it, it, is my picture still on the, your pick, you're great. You're perfect. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because someone's calling on my phone here. I'm just uh, wasn't sure if it was blocking the picture or not. So anyhow, I mean, I, I I've got lots of those. I've got lots of those stories, uh, and I share them on Facebook from time to time. Um, I mean, you know, uh, so I mean, I, I got, I got, a, I could write a book, a short book, <laughs> but it uh, about these experiences. I want it to be a long book. <laughs> In my years I've got left, I want to add extraordinary, extraordinary showings of mercies um, in the courtroom. And sometimes, you know, it's a, and it's not always, it doesn't always end, you know, it doesn't always end well. One of the, you know, one of the cases um, that uh, I had that, that it doesn't haunt me, but it's one I carry with me as, 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 you know, to, to, to uh, pray about is, is a young girl that killed her father. And uh, she she shot him from behind in the head and uh, and then claimed that he shot her, that she shot him because uh, he was molesting her child. Well, the whole thing was a lie. She was into drugs and and it was that and she was just, you know, needed money and she did it. And when I saw her in the courtroom plead guilty, she was so she was so hard. So as a matter of fact, she admitted to everything. You know, but as part of her plea, she had to lose. She had to terminate her her motherhood. She had to agree to terminate her motherhood and turn the child over to another relative permanently. And then she goes to she basically gets a life sentence on it. But when I was watching her. I suddenly started weeping because I felt like. Her her father's heart went into me. And I just, you know, and I've got a, you know, I've got one particular daughter that has some, some, uh, some drug issues, but that's nothing compared to what went on here. And, and I, I, I had, all I can tell you is I could feel nothing but love towards her. And, um, and I felt her father's love for her about just a little girl that got lost, you know, and went astray and did something horrible, but it's not the end of her life. You know, and um, so one of her relatives um, and, of course, the rest of the family, you know, some of the family was angry with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and but I posted something on Facebook that got it must have gotten five or six hundred people, you know, likes. And but about the situation and the girl's family got on there. Uh, so, I mean, it was it, but it was beautiful because the family, it was totally understandable. There wasn't anything that wasn't understandable about this other than, you know, just the evil, the source of the evil maybe, but, um, but, 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 but I, one of her relatives who, who loves her still stays in communication with me. And we, you know, she, she tells me how much it meant, you know, to hear that. And that that was her, the way her brother was, you know, that he would love her. He wouldn't hold it against her. He would want her to have mercy. And it was just important. Somebody, you know, somebody sense that somebody see that. So, and um because she's yeah. unique, who's lost her way you know and when we lose our way in our pain in our hardness you know we harm others we harm ourselves we harm others um are we still lovable are we still loved absolutely because we're always sons and daughters 
And, you know, and Amen. even feeling, feeling her dad's, her natural dad's love for her, uh, because that was his baby that lost her way. Yeah. That's his little girl who lost her way. And how, how transcendent is that? And then how, you know, standing in that and seeing, this is seeing the humanity of everyone, whether they know God or not, we're all uh, humans and God so values our humanity that it became one, right? For eternity. So, um, and, and, and that, what, that extravagant love that doesn't budge, even when we do horrific things, right? And then sees the pain of what was going on behind that, that caused you to, to act in a way that is is not your ontology who you who you really are right and uh, that is that is so beautiful and you know and you, and we won't know you know with that the heart behind that what's going on in her heart because that spiritual dynamic is being released because god is always in hot pursuit of his kids yeah amen right <laughs> and, amen right and so just standing in that creates a space for God to move and pursue and he's relentless. And so, you know, what's going to happen, who knows, uh, with what's going on in her heart and how God is just pursuing his daughter, um, even in our hardness and our blindness, which gives us hope for us because we've got areas of hardness and blindness and, you know, where we've done evil things and all that kind of thing. And so, and I love the fact that it says not only are the mercies renewed every day, but they're ten mm. mercies. So mm. God oh. is like, you know, baby, I, 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 yeah, that not worthy of you, not good, but my mercy it's tender because I'm tender towards you. I'm not here to club you. I'm here to heal you because you're so much. You don't even know which way's up. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And, and, you know, uh, it's, uh, and when we start talking about issues, you know, like eternal conscious torment and that sort of thing, we forget the one basic truth that we are children, children. and that Jesus said, forgive them for they know not what they do. And a father would never, especially an omnipotent father. Now he's all powerful, but he's all powerful within the context of his character. Yeah. He's not all powerfully coercive because he's not coercive. He doesn't coerce wills. Love does not. All right. Coerce. Yeah. So he, that, exactly right. So, I mean, so, so he's all powerful, but the way that his omnipotence works looks different than the way that like Zeus or somebody who was coercive, right. you know, how, how that would work. He doesn't take over our wills, but he plays the long game. He plays the long game through faith and patience. And, 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 and then, you know, what I believe you know, is, is that God um, takes us on walkabouts, you know, which is an Australian term, but it's a walkabout that basically brings you sort of like Scrooge, um, the, the story with Scrooge, a Christmas carol, where, and Dick, uh, you know, uh, Dickens was a universalist, by the way, oh, uh, who wrote that. that. Uh, but, you know, so Scrooge is taken on this journey, this metaphysical walkabout that right. went back through his youth, back to the present, to see the impact of his both his good and his evil, and then to the future, you know, to see a possible grave, to see the death, but he never goes in the grave, you know. And why why wouldn't God do that to souls, both on this side and on the other side? Thank you. you know, my walkabout, my walkabout was with my wrestling coach. That was my walkabout in this life, and I may have another walkabout in the other life, but I'm fine with that. Because his walkabouts are going to bring catharsis to us. Absolutely. And uh, to, th it's, to think that God, and, and you say, well, where is that in scripture? Well, I think it's in 1 Corinthians 3 about passing through the fire. You know, that everyone will pass through the fire and the wood, hay and stubble will be burned off. And, and the person who hasn't built their life, you know, with the wood, hay and stubble will suffer loss, but they themselves will be saved yet by through fire. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but, but that's the way a father would do it. We, we don't, with that, with all this, uh, you know, the father is not not. Uh, I don't view the father. You asked, yeah. I mean, I've never even thought about it in these terms before. But you, I, I'm around judges all the time. God's not a judge. God's a father. Yeah. Okay. Before he's anything else, you know, Jesus didn't call him judge, great judge above. He called right. him Abba, 
<laughs> all right. And we have that same spirit where we call him Abba and how a father or a mother, an all powerful and an all love and an all light. You telling me that they're going to torture or be a party to torture right. or allow torture to go on. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. And it's, but, but that's because our human courts appear so indifferent. Exactly. A lot, not always, but a lot of times they appear indifferent. Oh, the process yeah. is dehumanizing. And yet that's not the way the Lord is. He's anything but that. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> no, no. I mean, that was basically the point, I think. Uh, that's, that is amazing. And I, I, I just love that because ultimately it all hinges on really who is God and then who are we in relationship with God, you know, if we're created in the image and likeness of God, our, our ontology, our true identity. Um, and then does God, you know, switch characters, uh, you know, when, when we pass through the, the veil of death, when you pass through, does <laughs> yes. God change all of a sudden, um, you know, and you sort of brought up the, you know, consuming fire, consuming, you know, if, if God is a consuming fire, what does he consume? Everything that's not of his kind, not of love's kind, not of light's kind, not of mercy's kind, right? And so all of those parts of us that are not truly us will go. And what's left are sons and daughters that look just like our father in our flavor, which is- so Amen. Cool. You know, that's- Amen. That's you know, it's, it's uh, I think what, what, he, what he burns off of us are the things- uh, you know, uh, Simone Weil and I think others have 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 defined evil as more of a privation of being Ooh. that that evil is not so much a thing as it is a privation of good. Yeah. And that when when we're engaged in evil, we become non ontological. We lose our being, right. our authentic being. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we become almost like zombies. Right. You know. Uh, which I often wonder about the cultural relevance. Zombies is so popular. I think there's something there for us to see. There's something that, you can learn there. Mm -hmm. Yes. And and that what gets uh, thrown in the lake of fire, this is just my, I'm, I'm speculating, but I'm owning it. It is speculation, yeah. but it's speculation that I think honors the nature of God that we get thrown in the river. I mean, in the lake of fire are, are, are these false masks, these yes. sin masks, yes. you know, uh, we each have a name that only God knows. Uh, and name in the Hebrew thought, you know, means nature. So yes. we each have a nature, but his nature, but with our own accent to that nature. Absolutely. And the things that that husk it are, are that husk is going to be broken off in this in this consuming fire that we're talking about. And it's better for it to happen during our lifetime. But whatever's not burned during our lifetime, whatever husks we carry with us are going to be burned off of us. Thank God. You Thank know. God. Exactly. This is not, this is not a punishment. It's a healing. Yes. Yes. Which gets, yeah. which gets back to if a father, how does a, a loving father punish? He doesn't punish to, for retribution. He punishes to cure his punishments are his cures. Yes. You know, his wrath is his, his wrath reconciles. His yeah. wrath is rehabilitative. Absolutely. You know, he's cured him. And that's what the, the other thing, he's the great physician, not the great punisher. Thank you. You know, and so when we have an all, when we have a, a view, that's why the view of God is father yeah. and with Jesus as our big brother, you know, he's the first more born among many brethren. Right. He's building up a metaphysical family for us to, to move into a home, a mansion to move into that family. You know, we're a family. We're, Where we all belong and no yes. one doesn't belong. Right. Yeah, what doesn't yeah. belong are the false versions of ourselves that cause us to do things that are wicked, evil, whatever. That's not even who we are. And so that's what doesn't belong. And that's what gets burned up. But we belong. What matters is us. What matters are people. That means the one in front of you in your courtroom that's done nightmare things um, belongs, is still human, is still a son, is still a daughter, is still loved, is still, is still worthy and valuable um, regardless of, you know, not, not that, you know, I mean, sin matters because it, it, it the, the behavior of sin matters because it harms. Um, but the value of people doesn't change. That's eternal. It's been established by God who created us in his image and likeness and who, who adores us. And so, oh, amen. And, you know, there's a big debate in, 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 in the whole thing with incarceration is what is the goal? And these things clash. 
uh, because there's some people usually, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get political here, but I mean, that usually where uh, punishment prisons are there to punish people. Right. And um, whereas there's another line of thought that said, no, they're there to rehabilitate people. So it's the same argument that we have about about whatever the fire is. It's the exact same thing to, to think that that all powerful God of love would 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 believe in an eye for an eye. Right. When, when he says when Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount of all right. places. Right. He start, he, right. It, it, at the end, in, Ma- in Matthew five forty eight, he says, "Therefore, be you perfect, as your heavenly Father's perfect." But what's the therefore? Therefore, the previous ten verses are that you've heard it said, "Eye for an eye," but right. I say to you, turn the other cheek, bless, love your enemy, bless your enemy, pray for your enemy. If he wants your shirt, give him your coat, walk the extra mile. The, the Father's perfection is defined by how he treats his enemies, not not the ones who aren't his enemies. Right, right. You know, so how do we treat our enemies? And and, and it says we're to be perfect in the same way. Do we treat our enemies that way? And I know a lot of people talk about, well, you know, love starts in the home, and it does. I, I don't disagree with that, but the real acid test of this thing is how do you treat your enemies or those yeah. who, who treat you like their enemies? Well, truly, and, yeah. and you know, and, and, and God has no enemies because he's forgiven and loves all. Uh, we set ourselves up as his enemy because we don't know who he is and we don't know. Exactly. Who Amen. Right? And so, yeah. um, and, and so it is, you know, a new commandment I give you that you love as I have loved you by this, everyone will know you're my disciples. So are we loving the one in front of us that looks unloving? What's so beautiful in these stories is, is you're able to see past the shell of what's presenting. You're able to see past the, the, the sin, past the ugly to that beautiful, that priceless son and daughter who God is totally smitten with and is in hot pursuit of all the time. And, and mm. which gives us hope because there's places in us. It's like, Jesus burned this off. This is ugly. It needs to go. Right. I mean, it's just an ongoing thing, but we can rest in the fact that we're adored in the process, in our imperfections, even while God has said, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. You know, he's not going to tell us to do something where we're just going to white knuckle it. We can't do this, but it's not in our own strength anyway, but it, it it carries, carries the grace with it to be perfected, to be growing in maturity because we're commanded to do that because that's actually who we are. So it's, it's an unveiling of who we actually are created in the image and likeness of God that allows us to walk like this and which is beautiful. And it, and it also says all the ways, you know, you've seen, you, you've heard it said, but I say, these are all the ways that we've seen God, the taskmaster, the punisher, you know, the, 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 the judge, the punishing judge, rather judging what is not of you to heal that you know all of these different things and and we and we have you know and wherever we're confused about god we're confused about ourselves you yes know, right and so yes and scripture it, yeah exactly. you know, you're confused about scripture you know when, when we have that confusion absolutely and you know it, and even Jesus say yeah this back there that didn't accurately reflect me you know just so you know <laughs> and and, and, and so, which helps us because when you go, what you're talking about is this filter of God is light. And the filter that I use is God is love because it's all that, and uh, it changes everything. And you're able to see not only God in all, but God, uh, you know, the people in the image of God who are acting in, you know, you're seeing things, unspeakable things. And I, I do a ton of coaching. So I hear you know, just unspeakable, like human beings actually do this to humanity. That is like how, you know, your mind boggles, but it's humans that have lost their way and the mercy of God towards that. Well, the mercy of God towards those who have been harmed. And so this tension is that God takes care of everybody. He takes care of all his kids. And that's just beautiful. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's, you know, when 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 I see things like this, the two thoughts I have, like I said earlier, one is, man, how many of these am I missing, you know, or I get in the way of or I blocked or I've obstructed or I haven't. I feel like the most I can do that actually just by observing it, it's it's almost a quantum thing, you know, almost by just paying attention and observing it, it somehow helps it manifest 
but it's not because I'm doing anything other than just paying attention. As a son, you're seeing as a son and it creates that potential, that possibility to open up and manifest in the natural realm, in the mm. seed realm. And that's, that's good. That, and that's operating as a son, right? We're calling that things that be not as though they are. Well, we're not the the be not, we're not seeing it in front of there, but it's what it is. So what what is the the truth of this person's being that I can see and call out, even if I'm not verbally addressing, just you witnessing it create opens up that and the spirit moves in that. And people can tell what's so beautiful about your stories too is people can tell what how you're seeing them. So, you know, you don't even have to say a word, but you're actually looking people's eyes. That's the window of the soul. You're a human being and everybody, the judge, you know, the, the defendant, the, the prosecutor, everyone uh, is are, are human beings are sons and daughters that are trying to navigate. How do we handle in the natural realm, you know, violations of laws um, and things that have, you know, that need to be addressed. And then how do, how does that fit with the spiritual bringing that in there. That's a brave, beautiful thing. And so you taking the time to meditate and like, okay, I'm trying to open my spiritual senses so I can see past what's standing in front of me and, and address it and shift the atmosphere. Even if my job is to sit down and just, just keep shush it, you know? <laughs> yeah. That you said it so wonderfully just now. That is, that was very eloquent. That that's exactly it. It is about the atmosphere. Yeah. it's it's it, that's at, it's atmospheric when it's happening yeah and um it's uh you know um uh, i had it when i when i was younger uh when i was a baby christian i had it was it was a dream vision type of thing a daydream but i was i was vividly seeing it and it was um and, and in this thing in this vision i saw god uh wearing samurai armor oh cool. and um, but I looked at him and I knew it was God, but I knew that the, uh, I knew that it wasn't the samurai armor didn't fit the right way. That wasn't true. That wasn't truly his image. You know, that wasn't truly his shape. Right. So I went up and I took the samurai armor off and underneath it was a knight's armor. And then, uh, and I said, well, that's closer. That's more form fitting, but it's still not right. So I took that off. So I, there were many layers of, of taking off. And then ultimately he was just, uh, a, a shepherd, a muscular shepherd, but even that is an image, you know, and, and, and I, as I meditated on it, I felt like the point of the whole thing was that, you know, we, we, we wrongly project things onto God that aren't of him, but because he loves us, he doesn't just leave the room. He lets us, he accommodates our wrong thing, thinking about him, which explains a lot, you know, with the people that we deal with who might, who might not see God the way we do and the way we've described him, but seeing more as, you know, as, as, as a swordsman or as a vindicator or as a retaliator. Right. But my, my hope and dream is that through acts of loving kindness, that people will begin to, in their own hearts, take, take the armor off, take, take the misfitting armor off and see what's underneath. God is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And that's what gets back to the Tozer quote that you read, right, right. you know, we we will grow to re if we see God as a knight with a sword hacking people, then we'll be knights. You know, we'll be crusaders who hack people. You know, with our words or you know our punishments or our accusations or, or whatever. Or but that, but how, I mean, or even in battle. I mean, you know, in, in yeah, natural, literally, yeah, right. You know, I mean, we we have a history as humanity, and and you're so it's the God we see. So the Lord just helping us see Him. Better and better. This is not eloquent, but, but more accurately. Um, but from glory to glory, and it was so beautiful. Yes. God is just standing there, and it's like I, I'm here. I'm, 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 I'm here. I will stand with you in whatever shape you see me. I'll meet you there. If you see me as the one who said, you know, go butcher all the babies and the cattle and everything else because of whatever, I, I'm standing with you there. But I, I'm inviting you. Like that's yes. not me. That's not me. Yes. So, maybe strip that layer off, you know, yes. like your abusive dad or your abusive mom or your whatever, you know, God's like, I, I'm meeting with you there, babe, but that's not who I am. But so let me, so he's this relentless pursuit and, you know, the safest, funnest, most relaxed, um, most powerful, light filled, loving being in the universe. Who's just hanging with his kids 
where they're at, to engage with them, to bring them up to a higher level of understanding who he is and who they are. It is just so beautiful. You know, whatever, con- I'll meet you in your construct and then we'll work to work to yes. construct. <laughs> and, 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 you know, when, um, um, I know, I know you, you have known this too, with people, there are certain people out there who can be so sweet. And when they're on, when they're hearing the spirit, when they're, they're so full of love, but the minute they switch into wrath, the minute yes. it's like, you can feel the grieving of the spirit. You can feel like, all right, they're, they've got a wrong, a blind spot. They're yes. thinking something about, and, and you can see them, their faces change. You know, you talk, we talked about the mask. Yeah. while ago the sin mask this isn't the person that i know i've known i and and, and and because they have a bipolar image of god what do they end up looking like bipolar but right. i do believe that that i've never when i was honest with myself and i said you know what i've never felt the presence of god when i've been angry i've never felt the presence of god when i've been hateful or when i've been hostile no matter how i was wrong i can't ever say that i felt that from god the only times I've ever felt God's presence in a palpable, distinguishable way, it's been mercy. It's been mercy and tear-inducing catharsis, yes, whatever, uh, anguish maybe, but not hostility, not anger, not hate, not violence. And when I admitted that to myself, it's like that fixed something in me, at least one aspect of what needs fixing in me. Because I just d- realized I'm going to let the divine nature of God in me define scripture, define reality. Uh, I know enough about Jesus, both from scripture and from experience, to know that he loves his enemies, he blesses his enemies, and he and, and love hopes all things, believes all things, endures all things, and that love never fails. And, and that somehow lets me, I, I stop trying to judge, whenever somebody tells me, well, I've said it before when I've said, well, I'm righteously angry. All I'm saying is when somebody says they're righteously angry, they're trying to, a lot of times anyway, they're trying to justify their own anger. And I've I've done that, you know, but I I don't believe that there is any righteous anger. You know, in in that love passage, it it says that love rejoices not against in in iniquity. There is a non-rejoicing and a grieving that love feels. But I I don't believe if if we start justifying anger and hostility and hate, and I'm not even saying that on a human level, sure, we have to struggle with that and process it. I'm I'm not. Yes, we need to process it. But when we start calling it righteous, when we start calling it, you know, God's anger, then that's how this that's how these wars and how this violence and how the hatred and racism and all this stuff begins. And if we're just be honest with ourselves, and, and, and realize that, hey, I'm not really feeling the Lord and what I just said, and what I just right. felt. Right. Then, then I think I, I think there'd be a whole lot of a lot of cleansing going on. And I, I have a hope that that's happening. You know, I think people are more conscious of that. I mean, you know, with with what we see on Facebook and yeah. the ministries we both are engaged in, that seems to be the rising tide that know that. Tide. Yeah. That God is good. <laughs> Right. I mean, better, greater than our wildest dreams, everything that we ever, ever wanted, you know, is so uh, it's it's so beautiful. Wow. Well, this hour has flown by. Oh, my God. <laughs> it could just go on for another, but I won't hold you. Uh, but I do hope you'll come back because this was sweet and beautiful and I, I'm grateful. So any final words that you want to encourage people with or however? <laughs> Just, you know, a verse that always helps me is that if, if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. And I just would want everyone to know and tuck that, keep that in the vest jacket there, you know, and pull it out when, when, when you feel condemned, condemning yourself or being condemned by others. God is greater than your heart. God is greater than your condemner's heart. God is greater than Satan. God is greater than anything that would try to take your being from you. And uh, that's a comforting thought to me. And uh, there's nothing he won't forgive, nothing he won't rehabilitate, nothing he's not involved in, and nothing he's not ready to help with. Um, and that that's that's Jesus. Oh, this is beautiful. I love it. Oh, thank you so much, Richard. It has been a joy. I can't believe it's been a whole hour. What happened? <laughs> well, it was it was in the spirit. I really enjoyed it, Catherine. It was beautiful. Well, I hope you'll come back. I can persuade you to do that. And. So I appreciate you coming on. I'd be proud to.
Right. Love that. Well, everyone share, someone needed to hear this. There's, there is stuff in here that people need to hear. So share this and, uh, and uh, make sure that you tuck away that verse, tuck away the other nuggets, the gems that were uh, shared today will help you. So, well, thank you everybody for joining. And once again, Richard, thank you. And everybody have a great day. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Perspectives with Catherine Toon. For additional information and resources, please visit catherinetoon.com.